ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Well, you know, it's cold. Where's this climate change? <laughs> and they're like, I get that every year. Yeah. Every year. Oh, I thought it was supposed to be a changing climate, global warming. It's bloody 12 degrees outside. <laughs> yeah. Touche, friend. <laughs> It's ah, oh, it's the worst. It does my head in. <laughs> I am lucky enough to live in a part of Brisbane that is wrapped on almost all sides by bushland. But at the end of 2019, it was actually so dry that it became a really scary place to live. There were days when we didn't know if we would be able to come home because the catastrophic fire risk was so high. Fortunately, we were okay, but fast forward to now, The Northern Hemisphere summer was the hottest on record and we're looking down the barrel of another really hot summer here in Australia. I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Quick Smart, a show that feeds you big ideas in bite-sized pieces. So how can we best deal with the anxiety of climate change? And what is coming down the barrel for us this summer? I'm with ABC News meteorologist Nate Byrne, who is here to either reassure or terrify us. Hi, Nate. Thanks for joining me. I am probably going to do a little bit of both, Tegan. But hello. It's great to be sharing the airwaves with you. Likewise. So I guess, can we start with first things first? Hmm. Uh, Who is Nino? <laughs> okay, first of all, yeah, you've got to get the, the oh, Spanish. Yeah, it's got going, a tilde on it. Mm. Yeah, it does. It does. So, El Nino uh, is the boy child, actually. It's Jesus, believe it or not. <laughs> and La Nina is the girl child. We, we don't have a, a girl Jesus. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's so named because a fisherman of, uh, of South uh, America really loving what was going on during El Nino, you know, really made itself felt around about Christmas time. They'd get this great yeah, sort of conditions for their fishing, so it was all good. And when times were bad, well, it was the opposite of good Jesus, so <laughs> the girl. girl. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, but that's the thing with weather, right? Like like all of the weather stuff in the world, it's one of those sciences where it's already happened. People already had names for absolutely everything before we figured it out that we could science it. So we're <laughs> kind of stuck with all these old terms like fine, you know, to describe a beautiful sunny day. It's just fine. (laughs) So we've had El Nino before. It's a weather pattern that's been sort of documented for Mm. a really long time. But in South America, good fishing conditions for those guys. Congratulations to them. In Eastern Australia, it means hot, dry, not so nice. Yeah. So that's the one where we think about drought, especially when you've got several El Nino years back to back. And the opposite is what we've just been through for the last three years, La Nina, uh, which is wet and well, a lot wetter than average, often cooler summers. So the picture is changing and uh, and we're kind of going into unprecedented territory, which, you know, the whole world is one way or another. I'm interested for you, Nate, like as an individual, mm. you're a weather reporter, you're on the forefront of reporting the climate crisis. And I just wonder how it feels to sort of be doing this day in and day out. Yeah. So I've got at least two, but perhaps five different takes on this, okay. <laughs> if you'll indulge me. All right. Because um, number one, you know, I'm a meteorologist and oceanographer. So I find this all really, really scientifically interesting, right? Uh, I, I don't do that 
forecasting anymore because, you know, my job on News Brecky telling you the weather every day, I don't have time as a one-person operation to actually forecast the weather. So I'm telling you what the Bureau is telling you. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's number one. The science communicator in me is also really interested because I get to tell people about it. I'm thinking about ways that I can communicate this really important information. But then there is, yeah, there is a side of Nate that is just absolutely exhausted and scared because I keep talking to people. And that's actually a question that I'm asking scientists now. And I I often have to say to them, like, I know you don't want to talk about this because as scientists, we're taught just to talk about the science, not about yourself. Mm. But I ask them as well, how are you feeling? And it's pretty universal. There's there's some real despair out there. And I'm feeling it too. It's exhausting. I feel like we're talking about this all the time and no one has listened until Now, you know, we're starting to see different language being used, governments starting to take some action. It's too little, it's too late for us to avoid the worst of the warming, you know, getting to one and a half and two degrees. Like, that's locked in now. Uh, The action now will prevent it from getting a lot, lot worse. But then there's another side of me that is worried about that too, because once you manage to rein things in, if we do, and I reckon there's a really good chance we will, people are you know, sometimes slow off the mark, but, uh, you know, a quick boot up the bum means, you know, and and unfortunately that here is coming in extreme weather and, and some really catastrophic conditions like we've seen in the north with the fires and the heat waves and now the floods. Once you, once you get that kick up the bum, people do tend to get to action and band together and really innovate and sort things out, right? Like, I'm confident that's going to happen. But now that we're in the days that we're in where... Um, alternate facts are a thing, you know. I worry that if we do manage to limit warming to two degrees, there'll be this big voice of people that say, see, they said we'd get to three. We never would. We never did. Oh, that, what were those scientists talking about? You know, it happens all the time in weather when um, when we've got warnings out and, and I, you know, we say to people, oh, make sure you secure your backyards and, and, and lock yourselves down and, you know, make sure you're really, really ready for this weather. People do. The weather comes through and then they go, oh, that wasn't that bad. Oh, it was only a Category 3 cyclone. No, it was fine. <laughs> it was fine, mate, because you did the preparations you needed to do, you know, to make sure you were fine. It worked. Don't say it wasn't as wild as it, as, as it was forecast to be, because it was. You just managed to survive it because you were prepared. So we know that, like, climate anxiety is recognised as a thing now, mm. and you sort of was talking, talking to that idea before. How do you deal with it? Do you have, like, coping mechanisms that you rely on? Well, for me, it's really about holding on to that that hope, you know, in humanity and in people. And, you know, I, we've got a lot of examples of when bad things have been turned around and when things go right with action. I think most of all, when, when I'm starting to get down in the dumps about it all, I think about what happened with the hole, hole in the ozone layer. It's such a great example, number one, of how people can seriously have an impact on the atmosphere, which is a huge thing. And it is hard to imagine sometimes how what I do could really have any impact on something so big. You know, because the old way of thinking about things was essentially the solution to pollution is dilution. You know, you just, you wait long enough and it blows away and it's fine, it's gone. (laughs) 
But of course, it's not gone. We know that now. Uh, But so it's a great example that we really do have an effect. It's then also a great example of people coming together and banning the CFCs that were causing it. And now most of the damage is repaired. You know, so it's an example not only of us being able to do something about our what we've done to the environment, but that it's ready to bounce back. And I think nature will, if we give it a chance, I think it'll right things because that's the nature of the system. It's trying to be in balance all the time. And actually, that's what causes this wild weather, right? Heat is just energy. So, more energy in the system. It's like being on a trampoline. If you're bouncing on a trampoline, you can stay pretty steady. If you start bouncing, if you, you know, bend your knees and put a bit more oomph into it, you end up going higher and you end up going lower as well, right? Those extremes end up being further away from the actual trampoline. But then if you stop putting in energy, it all comes back into balance once again. Mm. Uh, So that's essentially what's happening. We've got more energy in the system. So our extremes, the deep cold and the really dry conditions or the massive storms or the cyclones, they're the, the energy really sorting itself out. It's just really getting the atmosphere from an unstable situation into a stable situation. And then once we stop adding heat, it'll radiate out into space and over centuries, but <laughs> but it will eventually come back into balance. So how do we prepare for what's coming this year? And then what, what sort of long-term things can we be doing to prepare for the future? Okay. So this year, we're going to be talking about as we do every summer, heat waves and fires. Uh, That's just a natural part of summer in Australia anyway. This year, there's a particular concern for large parts of Eastern Australia, certainly, for grass fires. Because we've been so wet for so long, lots and lots of grass has grown. Now, the good side of the situation for this El Nino is that there is still water in the system. The Ground is starting to dry out and it dries out very quickly. A few days of heat and all of that grass dries out as well. And that makes for really ready to burn fuel. And that's what will make the grass fires particularly bad. But as things stand right now, our bush still holds a lot of moisture. Trees, you know, the canopy still has a lot of moisture in those trunks. And it means that these grass fires are likely, not every single time, but more often than not, are likely to run up to the edge of a forest or to the edge of some bush and then all of a sudden become a lot more controllable because the fuel there will be a lot more moist. We won't have these really huge fires like we saw in 2019, 2020. So short term, make sure your fire preparations are ready. Brace and keep yourself across all of the warnings because we are likely to see some severe thunderstorms from time to time, but bushfire weather and heat, heat waves. That's the the biggest killer, actually. The the most deadly extreme weather in Australia is heat waves. Mm. So that's short term, longer term. Uh, This looks to me like a pretty strong El Nino. You'd want to be worried if we end up back to back with two, because that's when after two years and with what's likely if the El Nino continues, likely to be a dry winter as well, then the bush won't be able to have that protective effect that it might have this year. Uh, It'll become drier and drier. And then we're much more likely to see those really dangerous megafires, as the media was calling them, that we saw in 2019, 2020. Long, long term, it's all about reducing our carbon loading on the atmosphere and 
getting ready for more severe weather, greening our cities and making things more livable um, because it's going to become a lot tougher pretty quickly. Nate, I feel like I should be depressed after this conversation, but strangely, I feel more optimistic. Thank you so much. Oh, good, good. Look, people should be optimistic. I want you to be, but I also want you to be optimistic, but active. So make sure that when you're going about your business, making a decision about what you're buying, what you're doing and who you're voting for, you're making sure that you keep our climate in mind because it's going to be really, really important for oh, the next hundred years or a couple hundred years at least. Thanks again, Nate. Cheers. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.